Letter five of the Shirley Letters. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Shirley Letters from California Mines in eighteen fifty one and fifty two. By Dame Shirley, Louise Amelia Knapp Smith Clapp. Letter the fifth. Death of a Mother. Life of Pioneer Women. Rich Bar, East Branch of the North Fork of Feather River, September twenty second, eighteen fifty one. It seems indeed awful, my dear M., to be compelled to announce to you the death of one of the four women forming the female population of this bar. I have just returned from the funeral of poor Mrs. B., who died of peritonitis, a common disease of this place, after an illness of four days only. Our hostess herself heard of her sickness but two days since. On her return from a visit which she had paid to the invalid, she told me that although Mrs. B.'s family did not seem alarmed about her, in her opinion she would survive but a few hours. Last night we were startled by the frightful news of her decease. I confess that, without being very egotistical, the death of one, out of a community of four women, might well alarm the remainder. Her funeral took place at ten this morning. The family reside in a log cabin at the head of the bar, and although it has no window, all the light admitted entering through an aperture where there will be a door when it becomes cold enough for such a luxury, yet I am told, and can easily believe, that it is one of the most comfortable residences in the place. I observed it particularly, for it was the first log cabin that I had ever seen. Everything in the room, though of the humblest description, was exceedingly clean and neat. On a board, supported by two butter-tubs, was extended the body of the dead woman, covered with a sheet. By its side stood the coffin, of unstained pine, lined with white cambric. You, who have alternately laughed and scolded at my provoking and inconvenient deficiency in the power of observing, will perhaps wonder at the minuteness of my descriptions, but I know how deeply you are interested in everything relating to California— and therefore I take pains to describe things exactly as I see them, hoping that thus you will obtain an idea of life in the mines as it is. The bereaved husband held in his arms a sickly babe ten months old, which was moaning piteously for its mother. The other child, a handsome, bold-looking little girl of six years of age, was running gaily around the room, perfectly unconscious of her great bereavement. A sickening horror came over me to see her, every few moments, run up to her dead mother and peep laughingly under the handkerchief that covered her moveless face. Poor little thing! It was evident that her baby toilet had been made by men. She had on a new calico dress, which, having no tucks in it, trailed to the floor, and gave her a most singular and dwarf-womanly appearance. About twenty men, with the three women of the place, had assembled at the funeral. An extempore prayer was made, filled with all the peculiarities usual to that style of petition. Ah, how different from the soothing verses of the glorious burial service of the church! As the procession started for the hillside graveyard, a dark cloth cover, borrowed from a neighbouring monte-table, was flung over the coffin. Do not think that I mention any of these circumstances in a spirit of mockery. Far from it, every observance usual on such occasions that was procurable surrounded this funeral. All the gold on rich bar could do no more, and should I die to-morrow, I should be marshalled to my mountain grave beneath the same monte-table cover pall which shrouded the coffin of poor Mrs. B. 
I almost forgot to tell you how painfully the feelings of the assembly were shocked by the sound of the nails, there being no screws at any of the shops, driven with a hammer into the coffin while closing it. It seems as if it must disturb the pale sleeper within. Today I called at the residence of Mrs. R. It is a canvas house containing a suite of three apartments, as Dick Swiveller would say, which, considering that they were all on the ground floor, are kept surprisingly neat. There is a bar-room blushing all over with red calico, a dining-room, kitchen, and a small bed-closet. The little sixty-eight-pounder woman is queen of the establishment. By the way, a man who walked home with us was enthusiastic in her praise. "'Magnificent woman that, sir,' he said, addressing my husband. "'A wife of the right sort, she is. Why,' he added, absolutely rising into eloquence as he spoke, "'she earned her old man,' said individual twenty-one years of age, perhaps, nine hundred dollars in nine weeks, clear of all expenses, by a washing. Such women ain't common, I tell you. If they were, a man might marry, and make money by the operation.' I looked at this person with somewhat the same kind of inverted admiration wherewith Lee Hunt was wont to gaze upon that friend of his who used to elevate the commonplace to a pitch of the sublime, and he looked at me as if to say that by no means gloriously arrayed I was a mere cumberer of the ground, inasmuch as I toiled not, neither did I wash. Alas, I hung my diminished head, particularly when I remembered the eight dollars a dozen which I had been in the habit of paying for the washing of linen cambric pocket-handkerchiefs while in San Francisco. But a lucky thought came into my mind. As all men cannot be Napoleon Bonaparte, so all women cannot be manglers. The majority of the sex must be satisfied with simply being mangled. Reassured by this idea, I determined to meekly and humbly pay the amount per dozen required to enable this really worthy and agreeable little woman to lay up her hundred dollars a week clear of expenses. But is it not wonderful what femininity is capable of? To look at the tiny hands of Mrs. R., you would not think it possible that they could wring out anything larger than a doll's nightcap. But, as is often said, nothing is strange in California." I have known of sacrifices requiring, it would seem, superhuman efforts, made by women in this country, who at home were nurtured in the extreme of elegance and delicacy. Mr. B. called on us to-day with little Mary. I tried to make her at least look sad as I talked about her mother, but although she had seen the grave closed over the coffin, for a friend of her father's had carried her in his arms to the burial, she seemed laughingly indifferent to her loss. Being myself an orphan, my heart contracted painfully at her careless gaiety when speaking of her dead parent, and I said to our hostess, "'What a cold-blooded little wretch it is!' But immediately my conscience struck me with remorse. Poor orphaned one! Poor bereaved darling! Why should I so cruelly wish to darken her young life with the knowledge which a few years' experience will so painfully teach her? All my mother came into my eyes as I bent down and kissed the white lids which shrouded her beautiful dark orbs, and— Taking her fat little hand in mine, I led her to my room, where, in the penitence of my heart, I gave her everything that she desired. The little chatterer was enchanted, not having had any new playthings for a long while. It was beautiful to hear her pretty exclamations of ecstasy at the sight of some tiny scent-bottles, about an inch in length, which she called baby decanters. 
Mr. B. intends, in a day or two, to take his children to their grandmother, who resides somewhere near Marysville, I believe. This is an awful place for children, and nervous mothers would die daily if they could see little Mary running fearlessly to the very edge of, and looking down into, these holes, many of them sixty feet in depth, which have been excavated in the hope of finding gold, and of course left open. End of Letter 5 Recorded by Rachel Allen at Yosemite, California April 9, 2008